here's my last question. It's not a basketball question. It's a, do you and Tony Romo shop at the same lids? Welcome back to another episode of the Water Boys Podcast, member of the Crossing Broad Podcast Network. I am Coach Gary, joined as always by Mr. Kyle Pagan. But before we get into today's episode, let me tell you about our friends at Three Dimensional Physical Therapy. Tired of pretending that nagging pain in your back, shoulder, or knee isn't really bothering you? You don't need to wait for a doctor's appointment, x-rays, or pain pills. You can see a physical therapist like the pros do to help you get better, faster, and easier than you think. Three-dimensional physical therapy are the specialists in sports and orthopedic physical therapy and can get you moving again, pain-free. 3DPT is owned by physical therapists, not a hospital or physician group. Their only focus is getting you back to your best possible health, whether it's getting you back to the gym or golfing without pain, or maybe driving the lane to throw in a layup. Shout out Derek Bodner. You can get one-on-one time with a physical therapist and personalized care. They have five locations in South Jersey and were voted the best in South Jersey. 3D physical therapy will get you moving again. Their info is linked below or visit 3dpt.com to learn more. One more time for the people in the back, visit 3dpt.com for more. Kyle, one of our favorite guests of all time. He's up there in Zach Berman territory. I confess my love for him in the middle of the interview again. Derek Bodner joins the podcast. Godner, as we like to call him. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great conversation. Everything from the deadline to uh, Embiid's title, Embiid's MVP chances, the door opening back up. Uh, what else did we talk about? We talked about everything. I mean, we talked about the chances, the deadline, NBA top shot. We talked shot. about the top shot. We talked about is it worth uh, going for it this year versus waiting to the offseason to the next star demands a trade. He talks about everything, and and here's my my real takeaway about Derek Bodner is that. Um, I want to talk about things. I, I have a I have a thirty thousand foot view of the NBA, right? Because I and listen, let's let's all be fair. Outside of Ben Simmons being the best four in the league, not the biggest NBA guy. But if I have to talk about the NBA, there's only one person in the world I want to talk to, and that's Derek Bodner. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. So there's no reason for me to go ahead and pump this interview up more. It's one of our better interviews. Let's go ahead and kick it to our second interview recurring guest, Derek Bodner on the water boys podcast. Enjoy the interview. All right. We're joined here by the athletics own Philadelphia Sixers beat reporter, Derek Bodner, Derek, second time guest was late to the podcast. Was there some <laughs> Kyle Lowry news that was maybe on the tip of your tongue where you're breaking it? No, no, there weren't. Um, okay. I was, it was real life housework that is uh, way more boring than anything mm. we will talk about on this podcast. So I apologize for both being late and also for being boring. No, I was kind of excited that you were late. I'm like, he's going to come on with spicy news <laughs> and we're going to have it drop tomorrow morning. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, the best of the best ability is availability. So we actually appreciate you showing up and, uh, Tonight, I mean, we're recording this on uh, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday. We got a 10 o'clock one against uh, the Warriors. And I'm always curious, like, what, what, is, what is your setup? Obviously, we do not do Sixers in bed when we're a Sixers beat reporter. Shout out Jackson Frank. <laughs> I was going to say, some of us do, but no, I don't. <laughs> uh, I, sit, I sit right here when it's a, a road game. And you usually have, like, three 
you, you have like three set up, right? Like you're about to like short out, short some GameStop stock or something like that. I remember you yeah, telling so, us about so that. So I've got, I'm looking into one monitor. There's another one right here. And then a third one, if I would zoom out, it's right here. So I've got a, a three monitor set up right here. I've got my mic on a swing arm. Uh, I've got a mixer. I've got all kinds of recording stuff. Uh, I am good to go. I am good to go. Because you see, you see some noob um, reporters <laughs> who they will create a feedback loop while trying to record a Zoom and have no idea. Uh, and I will not make that mistake. If oh anyone had God. Derek Bodner saying noob on the podcast, <laughs> he just got paid out handsomely. <laughs> we got to get a bingo card when you come on. I feel like the last time you had a cat coming on and stuff. And it was- well, well, he raised the cat for us last time. Yeah, I did. There, there is a chance they will make another appearance for sure. I okay. sure. can't hate that. Oh, man. So how's everything going? I mean, obviously, it's a big week coming up. We got- Hopefully some, I guess, some, some news. Um, I actually was kind of interested in talking to you about, and I think I was listening to your podcast today with Rich. By the end of it, it was the mailbag one. I kind of talked myself into the Sixers maybe being okay with the team they constructed right now against the Brooklyn Nets at a 17. He's frozen. He do does. Any, <laughs> do you have any idea what he was going to say? No, I don't. Finish his because, question? No. No. He froze in the middle. Am I, am I still frozen? <laughs> no, no, you're, you're back. back. You're back. Okay. You're back. So I was listening to your podcast today. Uh, the Sixers beat with Rich um, Hoffman. Now, am I crazy to think that the Sixers can compete against the New York, no, the Brooklyn Nets, sorry, in a seven-game series? The team that is constructed currently, no trade deadlines. Maybe maybe like a, a George Hill edition. And again. Did I phrase again? Is, there a, is that what you're trying to say? Now you're frozen. <laughs> I'm frozen? No, nope, you're good now. How much did you hear of that? Compete with the Brooklyn Nets. Yes. Like yeah. it, can, the way they're constructed right now, this is the third time we're trying this. And <laughs> they compete with the Brooklyn Nets, the team that's constructed right now, or maybe an addition of like George Hill. I mean, can they like, are we talking, take them to six or seven games, yes. give them a puncher's chance. Sure. They can. I would make Brooklyn the favorites. I would make them a pretty strong favorite, like maybe 65, 35 in Brooklyn's favor. Uh, but I do think they would have a chance, you know, a 35% chance that happens every day. Uh, it's, it's certainly not impossible, but I would certainly make Brooklyn a favorite with the way they're playing right now. Um, and the Sixers just lack of real, you know, I think Matisse Thibel's development here over the last month and change is important in that regard because Danny Green, as much as I like him, is just not up to the task of defending any of those three. So getting another one you can throw on him. I'm still a little worried about Matisse. What happens when he goes through that shooting slump because they need his defense in a real bad way. But no, right now I would certainly make Brooklyn the favorite. It's just, it's, it wouldn't be an impossibility. You know, going into that Toronto series that went to seven games, I would say Toronto was a heavy favorite in that one too. And the Sixers very nearly stole that one. So you have a chance in some of these, especially with the way Joel Embiid is playing. Or he was playing before he went out, but I would make Brooklyn the favorite. Yeah. Am I reading way too much into the amount of run Max he's been getting in the last two games, last few games about maybe trying to showcase him in the trade? Uh... I would say you're probably reading a little too much into it. You know, I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, the lack of depth, certainly the, like, would they be playing him right now if Seth Curry was in the lineup? Probably not. Uh, I think part of it has come down to necessity and there just aren't that many capable guards who create from the perimeter on his team. But are they okay? What's well, maybe a little bit of a side effect of reminding some teams, the physical gifts that he does have, even if he's not quite ready to be in a playoff rotation or even close to being ready to be in a playoff rotation. Sure. I think they're happy with the side benefit, but I don't think doc would be playing him right now. If Seth was available. Mm. Well, what's up with him? Cause I mean, I feel like I'm still like, so in love with his 39 point performance when they were on like a, a obviously a, 
I think they dressed what seven guys, the seven Sixers game. Um, and then he gets no minutes against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, who are you know going to be a playoff contender. And he's, he's there's a couple DMPs in there as well. Um, is it just is it his offensive game? Is his defensive game? Is he hit the rookie wall? What's kind of up with Tyrese Maxey? I mean, it's a little bit of certainly the first two. Uh, he's just not so his offensive game is very dependent on some of the worst shots in basketball, uh, the, the mid range jumpers. He doesn't get the free throw line at all, like at a borderline historic rate. And he's not a threat from three point range. And that's just a real tough, um, you know, sort of mix of ingredients to make an efficient offensive player. But then you add in the fact that he does over dribble at times and that drives Doc Rivers insane. Um, he does his decision-making his passing his setup play isn't quite there. A lot of the stuff that you would expect for a rookie guard, rookie guards are real tough to have contribute early on in their career and his deficiencies and not being comfortable with that three-point shot and not being comfortable drawing fouls exacerbate those problems a little bit. So I think it's a little bit of he's got to learn the game more. He's got to extend that range at the three-point line. He's got to figure out how to be more willing and capable of drawing because he has incredible body control near the rim. He has to figure out how to, to use that to, um, to draw fouls inside. I think this is all just going to be a, a multi-year process. I think he's going to get incrementally better in year two and then year three and year four. And all of a sudden, by the end of his rookie contract, he has a chance to put some of those physical tools together. But this is a league that's very unforgiving to rookie guards. And I don't think he's really an exception to that. And, you know, if you really, really need his skill set on this team, you just need the 25-year-old version of Tyrese Maxey and not the 20-year-old version that they currently have. But I, I, I like his talent. I like his upside. It's just when they're at a deadline here in a, in a day and a half or so, and you're looking at it, well, Matisse, flaws and all can contribute right now. You would need him in a playoff series. And then you've got Tyrese, who, quite frankly, can't in the playoffs. It'll be interesting to see what they prioritize. Earlier in the season, I would have prioritized Tyrese's upside, uh, long-term upside. I'm not 100% sure on it now. I think I'd probably go prioritize Matisse Thibel and his ability to contribute defensively in the playoffs right now. Um, but I think, I think he does still have that upside for sure. Has Thibel become almost, I don't want to say untouchable, but close to it because of the defense that he provides and knowing you're going up against an offensive juggernaut if you are to clash with Brooklyn? Yeah, I mean, that, that word is sort of like a trigger word for me. Uh, there's like maybe five people in the league that are truly untouchable. Sure. We, saw that, we saw that with Ben Simmons earlier in the season. Like Ben... Uh, first team all defense, all NBA contender, perennial all star. No way is he untouchable. Like he's you, you would have traded him for um, James Harden a couple months ago, or at least I would have, and and not really thought too hard about that. Uh, it's just those players that some of these really good players would be traded for. Don't become available on offense. We call him untouchable. Tyrese or uh, Matisse Thybul is certainly not untouchable in my book. He is a necessary ingredient right now, and that is a well, factor in a trade. And I guess that's what I'm asking. If in this in this time right now, has he played himself into when he needs to be on this roster for a playoff run? Again, that that that's going to come down to dependent on what um, what you're getting back in return. Uh, he certainly has a role right now, and you prioritize that when you're talking about trying to win a championship with Joel Embiid. Uh, mm-hmm. I do think at times we overstate, you know, his his value, of both to other teams and to the Sixers. Quite frankly, like he is a completely unique and fascinating and fun to watch defensive player who I'm still not hundred percent sure you can play in the playoffs because if he goes through a shooting slump, he's you're playing, he, he makes your defense better and he makes the other team's defense better too. And that is right. going to be tough to uh, like, I, I worry about Brad Stevens in a playoff series. If Boston does make the playoffs, quite frankly, um, I worry about Brad Stevens um, picking up like the, 
coaches in the playoffs are real good, especially in a seven game series of taking your weaknesses and amplifying them to the nth degree. And his weaknesses will come into play on a playoff series for sure. So let's get to the, the main thing everyone wants to talk about. The, the trade deadline's coming up. So we'll put a little Sixers spin on this. From a scale of one to 10, bell rings. 10 being like certain, one being like no chance. How many bell rings would they be to go after Kyle Lowry? Are, are you think they're like going gung-ho, 10 or? I think there's strong interest, yeah. Um, seven or eight. Uh, you know, and, and depending on like, if we're talking about 10, like they are definitely interested, then yeah, I think they're definitely interested. I think if part of it's going to come down to the price that Toronto wants. And part of it, I think is also going to come down to the price that Kyle Lowry wants as an extension. And is that extension that he will sign this summer or something that Daryl Morey and the Sixers and Josh Harris and uh, all of their, their, their owners, is that something they are willing to pay? Is that something they're comfortable uh, giving to him at his age? I think that's going to be a big factor in it too. But I think they have interest in Kyle Lowry, the player. I think part of it will come down, like I said, to what Toronto wants. And then part of that will also be determined based on, you know, whether or not Miami is willing to get into these trade negotiations in a real way. Miami's in a tough spot. They don't have quite as much matching salary. They theoretically have the chance to sign him in the summer outright. So they might not uh, look to trade assets for him now. And they're also at a couple of first round picks, but they do have a, a sort of trump card and Tyler Hero they could throw in there. They are reportedly interested in him as a player. He, Kyle Lowry does reportedly like playing or would like to play alongside Jimmy Butler, which it feels like Jimmy Butler shows up in way too many of these conversations for my liking. So I think there's interest in Lowry's perspective to go to Miami. I think there's interest in Miami's perspective to acquire Lowry. Uh, Part of the asking price for Toronto will be how strongly um, Miami gets into those sweepstakes as well. They might just say, look, we're comfortable with our squad. We're going to try to, we want to keep Tyler Hero. We're going to try to sign him outright over the summer. And if that happens, then the Sixers chances certainly go up. Are the, is it, does the Lowry sweep takes basically a two horse race at this point? It's hard to say um, because lo- like teams come in from left field all the time. And a lot of times the deals that end up happening are the ones that you don't hear about. I would certainly say Sixers in Miami seem to be at the top of the um, likeliness right now. Going back to another one. You had an interesting tweet yesterday about Norm Powell. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually going to get in your interesting tweet. Um, so you had, you had an interesting tweet about Norm Powell and, and I don't have it up right now, but it was basically if Harris was comfortable with going over the luxury tax, you would take a flyer on Norm Powell. Can you explain the situation there? Yeah. So Norm Powell, I think he's making like mm, 13 ish million, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. And he has a player option for next year, right around the same amount. Uh, he is very likely going to decline it. He's basically had two career years in a row. And this year lately, he's been on fire offensively, real good shooter shoots about, I want to say six or seven, three pointers a game at. 44% or so clip. So he's a high volume, accurate shooter who also then has a little bit of athletic ability and play a little bit off the pick and roll quick with the ball in his hands can get into the paint. Uh, and he has had a real good stretch here uh, where he has just put a lot together offensively. So, you know, they are, they've already paid a lot of money for some of their guards, specifically Fred Van Fleet, who they uh, signed last summer. And they might look at him and say, look, first of all, we've lost like eight in a row. We're in a 10 seat or something like that. We don't want to invest. Um, we want to trade him now while we, we still can because we know we're not going to give him that contract. So I think when you look at it and you're, you're looking to acquire Norm Powell, you know, you're doing it, A, because I think he can help for this stretch run, but B, also then to have his bird rights so you can sign him because you are over the cap and you would have no chance of signing him in the summer if you don't have those bird rights. The question becomes, you know, I think he's probably going to end up getting 
I would say anywhere in the 15 to $20 million per range, probably in the lower end of that, I would say 15 to $18 million. Um, maybe a little bit less, but I, I certainly, I think that's sort of his range. And if you do that, you're starting to get into really big luxury tax territory, uh, apron territory, which comes into all kinds of limitations on the moves you can make. And are you comfortable doing that? And do you think it's worth, you, you know, going that far into it for him? Because he's not, a, he's not a perfect player. He's six, three, not a great defense player. Um, he's not a real playmaker or setup man for others. He's not perfect, but I think the shooting and the off the dribble shot creation is something this team could, could use. And if they're willing to sell on him because they know they're not going to bring him back, then maybe that's the kind of move that you would, uh, you, it's like a lot of teams right now uh, talking about potentially trading for Spencer Dinwiddie, even though he's injured, you're doing that to get his bird rights. I, I love Spencer Dinwiddie. The problem with him is he doesn't really shoot all that well and that's tough to fit on his team. Um, but it, it's, it's to acquire those bird rights to resign him next summer. And Norm Powell, also one of those guys that actually wears like a t-shirt undershirt, which is like right. not a thing that much anymore. Gary, any chance you know also, Norm Powell? Seth Powell's? Curry at times too. Yeah. Uh, Norm Powell. So I had, when you said Norm Powell, the first thing I thought of was lacrosse and cheers because I put the two last <laughs> names together. Um, but I'm assuming he plays for Toronto because I'm, I'm an elite listener of Derek Bodner. <laughs> he does play for Toronto. Yeah. There we go. Perfect. I'm, I'm more of a hockey guy, Derek, and you haven't picked up on that. But I wanted to ask this question. Um, you'll see in hockey and baseball all the time, these, what we call rental players. Is that like a real thing in the NBA or is the NBA oh, sure. so much a cap space league where it's like, Hey, we're looking for guys that we can invest in maybe to the future. Yeah, no, it, there's certainly rentals uh, that you will trade for. A lot of times they come in a little bit older. Uh, they're, I mean, theoretically you could even say like, you know, Kyle Lowry, he's 35 or whatever he is. We're not comfortable giving him his next contract, but we still want him for the stretch run. You could you could do that. It just decreases what you're willing to offer. Right. Uh, I think someone like maybe even Victor Oladipo, he might end up becoming so cheap. He's going to be a free agent. I'm not sure I necessarily want to pay his next contract, but if the price is cheap enough, I might have interest in bringing him in here for that stretch run. Yeah, so uh, fantastic I, transition. That was the next guy I wanted to ask about. I've heard Victor Oladipo's name floating around. I mean, people compare him and Lowry to each other. Is that kind of a comparable comp, the two of them? I mean, I think, I think Lowry is a better player right now. The thing with Victor Oladipo is he's, you know, significantly younger. Uh, we're talking about a 28 year old instead of a 35 year old. There are some other concerns, uh, mostly in terms of his, uh, history with injuries. And also it just doesn't seem like he's necessarily valued by a lot of teams that he's on, which kind of scares me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Is there something in the locker room that I'm not sure of was with Lowry, you know, you're getting an A plus locker room guy. Uh, He's, I think he's quite frankly, a little bit overrated, or at least he was up until that injury. Uh, and now he's, he's come back and he's just not quite as efficient of a score. He doesn't create the shots inside the arc that he used to three point shot is a little bit up and down. Decision making isn't great, but he's got some natural talent. Like I, and I would go back to that. I am still concerned that he is young enough with enough offensive uh, productivity that someone's going to give him more money than I think he's worth. And I don't, wouldn't feel comfortable unless it comes in under what I expect, I wouldn't feel comfortable giving him his next contract. So for me, I would look at him as a, a rental type, mm. but if enough teams are out on him and you can get him for a cheap rental, then I do think he can be useful on this team. It would just, my guess would be what they end up paying is going to be more than I'm willing to. How many bell rings? <laughs> Three. 
Ooh, okay. that's, that's higher than I thought it was going to be. It might, I mean, honestly, I'm not sure I'm 100% on the bell ring scale. Yeah, I'm confused by the bell ring scale, too, It would be significantly lower than Kyle Lowry, for sure. I, saw, I thought of the bell rings on the, on the fly. I was, trying to, I was trying to relate it back to something Sixers. Um, I appreciate uh, that. Two, two more. Just give me two quick ones. Evan Fournier, how many bell rings? One to ten. Are they, all, are they in on him? Now, are you talking me or what, what I think Daryl uh, would be? Daryl would be. I don't. I haven't heard any concrete uh, rumors okay. or reports, so I can't. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I would have more interest in Fournier than I would in Oladipo. Okay. Uh, then, I think. Uh, yep. George, George Hill. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a pretty good shot uh, because I think he's going to be cheap. You know, I think part of the problem with George Hill is you're going to have to match that salary. Uh, I forget exactly. I should have looked that up. I feel like he's over. So the Sixers have, I'm sorry, I have a really clickety clackety keyboard. I am yeah, a so computer fun. geek as we were over in the past. I was going to say, you know, one of those sweet like gamer keyboards? Uh, well, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a Cherry MX keyboard. It's a mechanical keyboard. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, I, like, I, know, I know what you're talking about, the Cherry MX, sure. Yeah, I like the, I like the feedback. So he's at a $9.5 <laughs> million dollar salary. Um, Look, I'm an. Uh, we don't need to get into my Listen, typing. I habits. pound the keys like I'm like a, a giant <laughs> walking through. Yeah, like I'm working with a Logitech over here, so whatever you have has to be nicer than what I have. Um, so he's he's making nine point six million dollars. That's more. The Sixers have an eight point two million dollar trade exception where they could basically absorb a contract. They can't do that with him. So you're gonna have to get to a spot. You could probably get him for Mike Scott and. I want to say like Vincent Poyer and, and and some other filler. So I think you can do that without losing I'll one drive of your contributors for tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. The human cigar, Vincent Poyer. <laughs> yeah, but I think he's. I think George Hill is going to be cheap enough because he's missed a lot of time here. He's missed like a month and a half or something like that. Uh, I think he's going to be cheap enough where you're you're talking about like a second round pick, maybe two if they get into a bidding war. I don't think you're talking about a first round pick or a real legitimate prospect. So I think the interest level will be high because in part because the, the asking price is going to be low. Uh, and I think I think he'd be a good fit, assuming he comes back. His injury was a, a thumb injury, uh, I think on a shooting hand. He got like a minor corrective surgery. I don't think it's supposed to be a real concern, but I think the interest level in that will be high. I just want to clear up this bell ring situation. So I'm going to throw a name out there and I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. LeBron James? Yeah, I think that would be a 10. Okay, yeah, yeah. okay. I'm, okay, so I think we're all clear on the bell ring situation. We are, yeah. That's a good job. 10 is certainly high, yeah. what I can gather. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think me and you have, Deductive reason ourselves to that. Even point. with the injury? <laughs> yeah, I think I'll take that risk. Yeah. Okay, okay fair. Right. Just make sure. Right, just fair. Make sure. So, LeBron um, James, Sixers are interested. <laughs> well, that's actually, Gary, yeah, that was a great segue because, Thank listen, you. LeBron getting hurt actually pushed Embiid plus 500 into the MVP conversation, back into the MVP okay. conversation. Okay. Now, Nikola Jokic is going off at minus 110, but we saw what happened with uh, LaMelo Ball. He was clear-cut favorite to win the Rookie of the Year, obviously got hurt. LeBron gets hurt. Mel, uh, uh, Joel Embiid gets hurt. Are, is, is the door back open for a Joel Embiid MVP run? I know you said on your podcast that if you're really looking at it, the Joker has far and away so many more minutes played yeah. than Embiid, and that might hurt. Yep. Are we talking to Howard Eskin here? Before we get into that question, let's talk about the Barsky boys, BarskyDiamonds.com. Use the promo code WOODER for 10% off selected jewelry anywhere from $3,000 or less. Need a gift for uh, Mother's Day? Got summer engagements? Any weddings coming up? Go to BarskyDiamonds.com, promo code WOODER. You know them. Been around for 100 years. Family-owned business. Jewelers Row, 724 Sampson Street. They've been the premier Philadelphia tradition, offering the best in value, quality, and customer service. None of their sales associates work on commission, making their shop a no-pressure environment. If you haven't seen the Barsky 
boys commercials. Do yourself a favor and go look at that. I'm pretty sure they had a, a brawl that was like $15,000 at one point. It was amazing. It's on YouTube. So go to BarskyDiamonds.com. Use promo code WOODER, W-O-O-D-E-R, for 10% off selected jewelry, $3,000 or less. Mother's Day is coming up. Summer engagement's coming up. Weddings are coming up. Go to BarskyDiamonds.com and use the promo code WOODER. <laughs> well, but I mean, when you're, you're so you, you can be talking about like 70% more minutes played by the time Embiid comes back. And that's, wow. that's significant. Um, and for me, most valuable is not the best player. It is what has led to the most wins or, or helped your team the most. And when you start getting into that discrepancy, you're talking about like a thousand minutes for Embiid and then like 1700 for Jokic. Um, so that's a, a pretty, that to me isn't inconsequential. Uh, and look, I was one, I would have voted for Joel Embiid for rookie of the year that year that he played like 30 something games. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I'm not strictly mid games played, but when you start getting into missing 25% of the season, it gets real tough. Um, You know, I think quite frankly, Jokic should have been the MVP uh, over LeBron, even before the injury. I just think he's playing better basketball and we're going to get caught up and do, well, the Lakers have 28 wins and the Nuggets only have 25 wins. Well, that's fine. We're midway through the season. I think Denver is going to end up being one of the top three or four teams in the West and he is playing just incredible basketball. So I would still, if it were me, and I, I don't have a vote, but if it were me, I would vote for Jokic for MVP over Embiid right now just because of the games missed. I, I wrote and I said at the time when Embiid went out, I would have voted for Embiid prior to that. But I think it's going to end up, like if this were a year where there wasn't a legitimate contender, and also there are other, like Damian Lillard right now is, is moving his way into that conversation as well. Uh, it's not just Embiid, Jokic, LeBron, and so forth. So is Giannis, quite frankly. He's sort of on the radar because I wouldn't uh. feel comfortable voting him as a three-time MVP winner. Uh, but he is having a, an MVP-worthy season. And I guess that's more my point. If there wasn't another strong MVP candidate, if there weren't other players playing at an MVP level, then I would say, you know what, even if Embiid misses a quarter of the season, he's been the best player. And he might be the best player in the games that he's played, but a quarter of the season is a substantial amount of time. I don't um, know if this is a hot take, but I've had enough of Giannis. <laughs> I think a lot of people have shared that. I, I okay. think he's, um, I would be a 10 on Giannis in terms of a trade bell. Okay, okay. So he is 10 bells. Fair. 10 bells too. So, yeah. Okay. Even though he um, sat in the middle of the Wells Fargo center. He, yes, he did. And that was, was that really a big deal? No, but we make okay. anything a big deal. Right. Right. <laughs> um, it was a little bit, Lame though. Like it just wasn't, it was a, like it wasn't a good, I don't care that he's disrespecting us so much. It's just pick a better celebration. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. Like, I, like I, he should do the crown. He did the crown a couple of times. Like, like the crown, like right, something, LeBron, something. Something, something better than that. I mean, he should have gave us the truck, Chuck Benaric right, right. over Frank Gifford celebration. That's what I would have done. I mean, the, the uh, best memory I have of him at the Wells Fargo center is losing on the Christmas day. So I don't think we'll ever be able okay. to okay. get over that. That was a good um, game. It was a good game. Oh, fantastic. But, no, I mean like that. Will this help Joel Embiid? Sure. It's just, I think there are still others like Jokic, like Lillard, who even if you say, all right, LeBron's missed too many games now, I don't think that moves Embiid above them. So I have a question that's, it's, it's probably a little bit put on your tinfoil cap thing here, but currently it's a two-part question, Derek. Two, currently constructed, can this team make it to a finals? And then my second one is, would it behoove them to wait? Because we know that the NBA is a player's league and eventually players are going to want to ask and want out of their current situation. And I always kind of circled Dame Lillard to eventually a point where he's going to be like, I need to get the hell out of Portland to go to a contender, a team that's actually going to win. Like, does it behoove the Sixers just to hold on and wait for one of these major names to demand a trade? Uh, so that's a fair question because they don't have an unlimited supply of first round draft picks. And if you look at Daryl Morey's history, he trades them pretty openly, usually for 
top players, but he trades them pretty openly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. it, it depends on what is available. Like if we're talking about don't trade for Kyle Lowry because you want the chips to trade for Dame Lillard, I probably couldn't pass on that opportunity. If it was even something like, like don't trade for uh, like Bradley Beal. Cause I think Dame Lillard's in a completely different class than Bradley Beal. Um, you can't pass on that. But there is certainly like I'm not trading a first round pick or a prime young player for a marginal upgrade over Mike Scott or marginal upgrade even over Danny Green. I do think there is some to that. Right. That being said, I think I think Daryl will look at it and say, like, if I make a smart trade now, then in 18 months that tr- it could help my positioning anyway. Um, it de- it depends, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah, I feel like the Sixers are in this weird spot where it's like. Um, you you have a, a legitimate superstar in Embiid, but you you don't know how much time he has, right? Because right. he's a big man who has an injury past. So it would make sense. You're the one seed right now. Let's go for it. But he's not healthy right now. Right. Do you think you're going to get the same performance next year? And do you think the offseason would present better options to win the following year? And it's essentially, I hate to use this word, but it's a continuation of the process, which I believe is ended. But like, I feel like, with the NBA, it's you have to strike at the right time to win unless you've built through the draft. I feel like that's kind of how the NBA works, right? Yeah. Um, the, the concern, though, is that these superstar players have so much power. And if right. they don't feel like you're going all in, if they don't feel like you're making every effort to try to win a championship, they can get their way out of a city in a blink of an eye. And do right. I think Joel is anywhere near doing that? No. But that's sort of always one of the risks that are in the back of a GM's mind. Because Joel Embiid right now is the most powerful person in a Sixers organization. And if sure. you piss him off or if he doesn't think that you are doing everything you can to win, you've got a real, real problem. Um, so I think part of it is that Embiid is, like you don't like you said, you don't know how many times Joel Embiid is going to play at an MVP caliber level. Part of it is you, you, you don't know how long his prime is going to last. And you also just don't know how long, like if you, not to steal a phrase from Howard Eskin, but if you keep kicking the can down the road, you don't know how long Joel Embiid is going to be happy or even Ben Simmons for that matter. Um, well, Derek, that's why I find, I find the NBA fascinating in this way. And I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest NBA fan, but the amount of power that the players have is incredible. And when you have, I, I always thought that Embiid understands the city. So maybe he would want to stick around longer because maybe Embiid in the back of his mind knows he has a shorter shelf life than a Ben Simmons. So you say that Joel Embiid right now is the most powerful man in the Sixers organization, but how long does it take for that to shift to it being Ben Simmons? Sure, sure. Uh, that can certainly happen. But I think when you have a player who is so close to making you a championship contender, almost right. all, all by himself, he will, he will be that until he's not. Um, you could, As good as Ben Simmons is, you don't know how – and this is a league that is very much dominated – by the top five players in the world. Um, the difference between five and 15 is massive. If you have just the, if your best player is a 15th best player, you really don't have a shot to win a title. You're not a contender. The Sixers right now have one of the five best in the world. It's very uncertain how long that will be and how long that will, um, how long until you can get that again. I think Daryl Morey is going to be, I don't think he's going to sit on the sidelines and hope that Bradley Beal, uh, first of all, that Bradley Beal becomes available then that Bradley Beal wants to go play in Philadelphia. And then third, that the, the Blazers have the, or you have what the Blazers want. Like for all of those three things to come together, it would be a risk to pass on opportunity. And I love I, Bradley Beal is one of the ones that I, I it, and Bradley Beal seems to be wired a little differently. Like he seems 
like the best person in the world and he will never ask to leave Portland. So he's sort of just an example here in this, but he is one that I've always thought, like if you could trade anything you could to pair him and Embiid, you do that in a second. Cause that would be just incredible. Um, but it would be a real risk. Do you think uh, Daryl Morey is at the point where he needs to win a championship to kind of solidify his reputation because he hasn't gotten his yet, but everyone anoints him has this great executive like, do you think he's getting to the point where it's like, hey, man, it's time to put up or shut up and win and win one of these things? Um, I think it probably depends on who you ask because he's such a divisive GM because he is uh, so tied to analytics and the movement of, you know, numbers influence strategy and a three-point shot and the changes in the game. Some people who don't like those elements will always disregard his success anyway. And then some people who are real big believers in those changes to the game will will always believe that he is a great GM. So he's a little divisive, so he probably needs a little less than some people. But he's certainly, I mean, look, it is when, when he was hired, that was the one thing you could talk to um, mm-hmm. uh, negatively about him. Like, yeah, he had embraced aspects of the game that would go on to be embraced league-wide. He was early in that trend. He pushed the limits. He, you know, you go back to the conversation we just had, like when, uh, the Warriors looked unbeatable. He was willing to buck that trend and really try to compete with them in their prime. Um, the moves he made to get James Harden, all that's really well documented. He gets a lot of credit for all of that, but he has never won um, or even gotten to an NBA Finals, and that is the one mark against him. Do I think he would like to erase that? Sure. Um, yeah, but does he need to? It probably depends on who you ask. Fair. Do you really not have a, a MVP vote? I do not. I've never voted for any league-wide award. And quite frankly, I'm okay with that. Hmm. I don't think I should be determining um, player salaries. Do you have a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame vote, though? I feel like everyone has one of those. <laughs> no, no. Okay, no. I'm just making sure. Having, having never covered the sport, it would probably be, uh, be tough I, to grab. Listen, baseball, uh, baseball is the last to adapt to anything, so I you having Dan, a vote would make yeah. sense. Did Dan Levitard like, sell his or something? <laughs> or someone sold it. I know he gave it away. Yeah, he gave it away. Uh, I was just going to pitch you because I have a future on uh, Shake Milton winning sixth man of the year. So Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to pitch you on. Uh, no, and I've, I've never, like, I've never pursued it or pushed for it or asked for it um, in part because I just, I, I'm not a hundred because um, like Joel Embiid is an example. If he gets voted the first team all NBA, he's now eligible for a super max extension. He can earn more money on his next contract. He basically can earn as if he is a 10 plus year vet instead of a, um, you know, before that. And it is just, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm Which okay with kinda, that. It's kind of bullshit that, I know they took it away. Most of the fan vote, it's still about 50%, but it's kind of, it's kind of BS that a couple of these guys, their monetary value is determined by some writers and, and some fans and whatnot, but determining like all-star game um, bursts and, and awards. Do you ever? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't have too big of a problem because it's allowing them to earn more money because the NBA has caps based on how long you've been in the league. And this allows them to earn more money than they otherwise would. It is, it is, a little strange, but also I don't know how you, because we've, we've seen um, some, especially with all-star game voting, some completely crazy votes from players. We've seen certainly some crazy sure. votes from fans uh, and theoretically media members should be pretty locked in um, and, and following the whole league. We, we know that's not the case all the time. Uh, there are some crazy media votes too. I, I'm not sure there's a perfect solution 
Um, but well, yeah, you're exactly right. Because I think Tyrese Maxey said he was just going to vote for all the Sixers for the All Star game. So probably, it's like probably stuff like that. So yeah. And then the fans, like you've got you got some some players um, coming from overseas, and you've got the whole nation behind them, and maybe it's their first NBA player or star NBA player, and they flood the vote. It is it's it's an imperfect no matter what you do. Well, Furkan needs some better marketing team than around him. Yes, if, uh, if that's yes. the case. Um, well, the, Turkey also has a pretty good track record of NBA players at this point, too. So, <clears throat> you know, um, why don't you ask more questions at the press conference? I feel like I watch the press conferences, and you just you're not like like the the usuals. I feel sure. like you you kind of let just me answer that wait. for you. He's given all his questions to the Waterboy Podcast. <laughs> I don't mind that one. Yeah. Um. So, like, I don't feel compelled to ask a question unless. I think nobody else is going to ask it. I'm, not, I'm certainly not one who I feel like I need to, there, there are people and I'm not going to name names, but there are people who they ask questions <laughs> so they can have their voice heard on a, on, on a broadcast. Shout out I to beat off. I mean, does that, not, does, that, not, does that kind of, you know, conversely point that's good for branding, get, get your name in front sure. of people. Of course it is. But I know you're not uh, all in for the branding. No, and I'm also not worried too much about my branding. Yeah, but um, Derek Bonner doesn't need the branding. He is sure. Derek Bonner. I mean, truthfully, that is something that younger, I think you see a lot of younger sports writers do because it does, it can make you a household name. Or if you're Howard Eskin, that's the whole reason you go to these press conferences. <laughs> so hold on a second. I actually want to like talk to this for you, Derek. You work for The Athletic and my other, I have two favorite guests of all time on the podcast and you've, you've essentially become 1A or 1B, however you want to Even though you don't like it. basketball. Yeah, I'm not, listen, <laughs> and this is, I think this should be a compliment to you. When, when you're on, all I want to do is talk about the Sixers and, and the NBA in itself because I find you fascinating and you're the only one that gives me answers that I think are even sensible when it's talking okay. about the NBA. Okay. So that will be my takeaway. But between you and Zach Berman, who is by far and gone my favorite Eagles writer of all time, you guys are so committed to giving you journalistic takes in which should be accurate. And I find that, I don't know if anyone else finds that like refreshing, but between the two of you, I, I, I really don't read, I don't need much more fluff than the other people give me. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah, so that's um, your compliment. <laughs> I don't know if there was a question in there, but yeah, between the two of you, I'm like, there was two teams that I care about, and I don't need to read anybody else but Derek Bider and Zach Berman. And you both work for the same outlet, which I find fascinating. I mean, listen, I know you, you, you know, it's, it, you don't really have to respond back to that, but it's just like you, you did, you did your subscription service and you did a good job at it. And then the athletic call came calling and, and, you know, it was, it was kind of put up or shut up when you, when you did your subscription service. So, I mean, they saw something in you and you saw something athletic. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, truthfully, I've been talking to Alex Mather, who's actually a Philly guy. I've been talking to him pretty much from the time I launched my own subscription service. So I knew the athletic was coming to Philly. Like I knew when the athletic came to Philly that I had a good shot at that spot. Uh, I just had no idea when the athletic was coming to Philly and it, come, it ended up coming quicker than I expected. Um, I would have liked to have given my own subscription service another Another little bit there to see how far it could have gone. Um, but I think, I think that's frankly part of it. Uh, you know, I don't, it, it's, it's, I don't want to be, uh, I don't need to get my opinion out. The only thing I really care, I, well, I care about two things. First of all, that, that I've done research and that shows up in my opinion, but also that, you know, that when I have an opinion, it's because I have an opinion. Yeah, and right. there's so much in terms, not only just, you know, like reporting, but I think a lot of fans don't trust people's opinions because I think they're doing it for access or they're doing it for attention. 
and you can be negative for attention and negadelphian and we can list uh, some Marcus Hayes sports writers who, who are that way. And you can be also be positive for attention too. Like if I wanted to get a lot of engagement on a tweet, I would post out some clutch stats of Tobias Harris and say, look, the Sixers have their closer. They're good to go. They're winning NBA <laughs> championship. That tweet or that article is going to do fucking numbers, man. Uh, and you us. can do that. Uh, well, and you can, you can also do that with highlights. You can take a, let's say Ben Simmons has real good defensive play. If I talk about how incredible that is, that's going to get engagement. But for me, especially as a, um, you know, first I came up without any real kind of outlet. Like I wasn't a sports writer. I wasn't a journalist in any way, uh, but also now as a, a subscription service, whether I'm, po- if I'm positive, I want you to know I'm being positive because I truly believe it. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I'll be right. It just means that's what I really believe. Like there is a currency that I think is more important than short-term engagement. Um, but going back to how this all started, in terms of asking questions, like I don't find a whole lot of value. Like it's one thing to get a quote that everyone on that call is going to get. It's another thing to get a conversation to the side or a quote specific or something you can ask a follow-up question to. Um, that's where I would save my better questions for. So I don't ask questions in the press conferences all that much because the best questions I want for myself um, and, and my own exclusive quotes or my own off to the side, off the record conversations. So that leaves a lesser questions, but lesser questions are probably going to be asked by some, someone else on that call anyway. Um, so I really, I, it, it, I don't have too much interest in hearing myself speak as long as the question I have, the question I'm willing to ask then gets asked by somebody. I don't really care too much. You must, uh, you must hate the clutch points guys. You ever seen those graphics? I, I see them aggregate <laughs> stuff all the time. I don't, I don't, those graphics. If anyone's out there, just go on clutch points. It's it's the it's the greatest okay. Photoshop I've ever seen in my life. Just, okay. There was uh, LeBron had had fire flame hands at one point, and I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so before we get you out of here, I have to wrap it off four questions. If I can remember all four, I'd be very proud of myself. Okay. You can just yes no these, but I'm going to start with this. Will the Sixers make a trade? Yes. Okay. Will the Sixers make a trade for Kyle Lowry? Fifty five percent. Okay. Fair. I, I live everything as a probability for me. Future, future as you see it, are the Sixers playing in the NBA Finals this year? 28%. Okay. okay. That's, uh, that's no, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go 36. I'll go 36. Because I'm okay. factoring it. It would be 28 now. I'll go 36 if, with the Kyle Lowry trade. Yeah. Here's my last question. It's not a basketball question. It's a, do you and Tony Romo shop at the same lids? <laughs> no. <laughs> I buy the cheapest freaking hat on Amazon and move on with my life. Fair. Because when you have a freaking head like mine, you don't want to broadcast that to the world. Why do you think I wear a hat on every podcast? <laughs> My receding hairline is just is terrible. Uh, well, yeah, I, I just I don't want to have to worry about it, so I'll slide this on and good to go. Yeah, good to go. That's a smart way to handle it. We asked uh, we asked Kevin Kincaid about you. We just wanted to get any okay. anything uh, anything okay. that you made. If we you didn't, didn't know yeah. since you came on last time, we are part of crossing broad. So okay. no big deal. Okay. We're just making big moves out here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't want to ask the same questions or anything, but he wanted to, he wanted to know what you remember from the, uh, the lady who sat behind you and him and said, sit down, bench warmers, sit on that bench. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well you get, you get some incredible interactions in that area. Uh, that area that we sit on in press row is not super great. First of all, the, the view is just terrible. You're basically behind uh, the backboard. You can't see, I can't see like a quarter of the court. Um, your perspective is all off. And then they put all kinds of fans there to make noise. And the chants are just the worst. Um, are you in a revolutionary row? 
Yeah, it's right. It's right by there. Oh, it's, oh so but you've seen Big Daddy up close and personal. Oh, all the time. Um, almost every game. <laughs> and then the number of, and they say bench warmers when the, like, like sit on that bench, they'll say when the starters are in, it doesn't even make sense. And it's just, it, uh, how big is the big daddy in person? Oh, he's, 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 he's got some heft to him for sure. Yeah. Um, sure. but there's, there's just, there's not like, if you're going to put people there specifically because they will be loud and obnoxious, at least have a little creativity and they mm. don't, and they have the same five chance. They repeat over and over and over and over again. And it does, uh, <laughs> it does get to be a bit much. It does get to be a bit much, but if that, if that is my biggest occupational hazard, I will be okay for sure. Here's my last question. There's a, there's a, there's a realistic chance that Kyle and I may or may not be credentialed come next Sixer season. If I am, will you show me the ropes for just one game? Sure. And sure. will you come back on the Waterboys podcast? If, because you're the only person I care about talking about the Sixers with. If I'm being completely honest, the Wells Fargo Center is so illogical. You will need help. You will need help in the media. Fair. Okay. It is, it is, it is a, it is a mess. Um, so I'm yes, going to put you serve. down for, yeah, I'm going to put you down for, yes, you will be back on and for two, sure. yes, sure. you're going to help me out when I am eventually credentialed. Unreal. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Yep. What a night for me. <laughs> Although if you're a part of crossing broad now, shouldn't you be asking Kevin? Yeah, uh, no, because he told us he's not, a, he's not our boss. He told us that. <laughs> you can go back and find the Kevin Kincaid episode. He is not our boss. And for the record, neither is Russ Joy. So Okay. Unless Kyle Scott okay. comes on, we don't have a boss. Mm-mm, we're our own bosses. We make our own there rules. Go. There you go. Um, Kenwood Beer. You remember this last I time do. we were on? I do. Um, I do not have a Kenny. I screwed up again. Well, we'll I get mean, you. we'll get you. Kenwoodbeer.com. You can find out where all they are, your local distributors. Uh, the most refreshing beer in Philadelphia. When you think Philadelphia, you think Kenwood Beer. The last question for you. Have you invested in NBA Top Shop? <laughs> I have not. I have not. No? Um, <laughs> no. No, I have. I, I have avoided that one. Uh, why? I have because I have another no, reason I, why I Derek Partner is the smartest, the, sm- the smartest, the smartest. <laughs> I did spend a semester in Boston, actually four. <laughs> uh, hold on a second, twelve. Um, because I did go to school there. Yeah, he's the smartest beat reporter on in the NBA. Uh, so look, I have enough ways to waste my money. I don't need a Does another short term thing. The floor is about to give out. You would think. You would think. Um, I don't know. But did you see that Jack Dorsey? He just sold his first his tweet, tweet for two point nine. Yep. Do you yep. want to know some of the tweets I think you should sell? I well, you know what? When so I saw, I saw that when Daryl Morey started doing that, and he started uh, blockchaining his his tweets, and I went through it. I'm like, can I find one tweet that anyone would give a shit about? No, I couldn't. The find Eric Junior tweets. Ooh. Nope. Did I tweet about Eric Jr.? No, he tweeted yeah. you. Oh, I know. He tweeted about me. Yeah. He tweeted about you. So like you could, I, I they might be deleted, but you could, you could, there's also, I, I did find two. I searched some things well, on Twitter that you yep. might have said. Okay. Okay. So this was back in May 16th, 2014. Oh boy. Okay. The hardest thing to measure when evaluating an NBA prospect is that lump three feet above their ass. Yep. What's yep. that mean? Yeah, I mean it's 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 their mentality, their mindset, their maturity, okay. how quick they process information. It's I their like head. That. Yeah. I like that. Uh, I'm no, pretty sure I stole that one from uh, uh, what was that? A League of Their Own, maybe. I that sounds like a Derek. Bo- I mean, that sounds okay. like a, um, a Bob Knight quote or like a Tom okay. Izzo quote, like an old school basketball, like blue blood. Tom Izzo. And I got, um, I got one more. Yeah. Do I have one more? Because yes. I have a tweet you could sell. <laughs> okay. But I'll let Kyle go first. This is, this is a very scary portion of the no, podcast. No, this is good. This is no, okay. mine's not even mine's not even been tweeted yet. I'm just telling you, you okay. can sell this okay. one. Okay. This one's from March 9th, 2012. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. 
Overheard in the press room, when I'm having sex, I'm only thinking about my wife, regardless of who I'm with. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you could sell that. You've got you, you've got a clean record. You're you're not an idiot. You're not a joke. So I mean, <laughs> I, I wasn't gonna f- feel like I was gonna find anything that you said that was cancelable for you. But that's <laughs> oh, I'm even one. just I'm even just talking bad bad takes. I've certainly oh, got my share takes. out there. We've no, all got, I mean, we've all got bad takes. I mean, go back and look at the Carson Wentz rant. I mean, yeah, that's yep. a bad that's a bad take out of me in general. Um, here's one you could probably blockchain if you. Could just get yourself and maybe Berman to like, uh, you know, celebrity tweet with you. Just tweet <laughs> "I love you" at me, and then perfect. Like we could sell that. Sell because to I you. tell Berman, I, I I get drunk and tell Berman I love him. Okay, I'm gonna start doing that to you. Too. I was gonna so say you're definitely okay. on that list. Okay, yeah, just be prepared for that. <laughs> that's that's fine. That's so fine. if you write a book, I will sell it for you because well, I, I sell mean, Berman's book more than anything by under. Okay, books. I I have uh, I had a book deal. I went oh. and canceled it. Okay, fair. I, I canceled it on your turn because yeah, uh, because they wanted the, so it's a book about the process. Um, okay. I they wanted it. Mm, there were some roadblocks to writing that book, and I won't get too deep into them. Fair, uh, but basically, I wouldn't have been able to meet their timeline and write the book that I wanted to write. So I, I contacted them and I'm like, "Look, can we push this back?" They're like, "You know, what, so what are we talking about? Like six months?" And I'm like. In perpetuity, and they said, mm, "I don't know about that." And I said, "Well, then I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna cancel the book deal and get out of it because I want to write the book that I want to write." Because quite frankly, there's only one topic I'm qualified to write a book on. This is it. Um, so I have a book in progress. Love I have breaking a, news. No, I've mentioned this on my podcast uh, oh, before. Damn it. Um, I mean, I've, I even previously announced the book when I was working on it. I have right, a, right. a publisher. I have a publisher who is uh, interested in it, but I will not sign until I know that I can get the story that I want. So play okay. hardball. I like it. In, so in, just... in twenty thirty five, when I'm done with it, I will look for your support for sure. So you and Jeffrey Laurie's book will come out around about the same time. At the same time, yeah. But maybe, maybe I can even sell... make a movie with, and we can release a movie together. I don't know. Yeah, when you when your book comes out, let me like I'll tell you right now. No one will sell your book harder than this guy right here. There we go. There you go. I love that. Rule one of writing a book, you have to have the book behind you on every press conference. Right. Every yes. video beat you ever do. Okay. Yeah. So we got to get on okay. a bookshelf. We'll, we'll yeah. work on that. We'll get you. Yeah. We'll get you a bookshelf. Um, well, this was awesome as always. We'll see you back on. I mean, we've got a, we've got a title run in us, I feel. And uh, hopefully it's a good trade deadline. And, uh, and we're talking late into, late into May, late into June. I hope so too. Uh, I, w- I would love to cover a finals run if for no other selfish reason than A, it would be fun and B, it's good for visibility. So it is damn right. Can I do it? I might not be able to root anymore like I used to. And quite frankly, this job is, um, it, it does beat that out of you, but I can root for my own success and the two are intermingled. So for yeah. sure. Well, enjoy watching uh, a Steph Curry list Golden State Warriors team today <laughs> yes. and then uh, writing a column about it for tomorrow. No curry. No curry. Neither no, curry. Yeah, yeah, neither curry. Yeah, no curry. Wow. All right. Well, that sounds like the worst Indian food restaurant ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's Derek Bonder of The Athletic, Sixers beat writer. You know, I mean, if, if people don't know who you are, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. So go go read him. Go read that column tomorrow that he's about to write. Thanks, Derek. Yep, appreciate it. The Winter Boys podcast was created and hosted by Gary Lay and Kyle Pagan with contributions from Jason Green, executive producer John Barchard, and our theme song is Telescope by the Pine Bears. <laughs>